Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. My name is Chris Fritz from the ViewCore team, and today in our panel, we have Ari Clark, Senior UI and UX Engineer at Liquid and Real-Time View Master of Space and Time. <laughs> Hello. And we also have Ben Hong, who's a senior front end engineer at GitLab, educator, and also just like Santa Claus, who's like, does a bunch of different things and make everybody's <laughs> lives better and steals your cookies, but leaves you presents. Hey, everybody. And today, our guest is Debbie O'Brien. Debbie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hi. My name is Debbie O'Brien, and I'm a front-end tech lead at Patterson Agency in Mallorca. I'm also a mentor at Open Classrooms, a tech degree moderator at Treehouse. I'm a teacher at View School and a writer at Ultimate Courses, and I also contribute to Webpack and Nuxt. Wow, that's like a lot. So is that just is that just your mostly your free time stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have a life as well. I'm a fortunate Yeah, wow. Like one though. <laughs> but yeah. But suddenly I'm feeling really bad about my contributions to society. <laughs> <laughs> Hey folks, I just wanna let you know quickly about Netlify. Netlify is a really cool system for hosting what are traditionally known as static sites. However, the real benefit that I've been finding is that I don't have to mess with a back end. I can just set things up. I build the website out. I've been using a system called 11DJS and you just deploy it. And then anything that you have that you want to do, you can do on the front end. So if you want to pull in some kind of database with Firebase or something else, if you want to collect form data, Netlify provides all kinds of services that make it easy to do all that stuff. If you're trying to do serverless, they have a really, really neat serverless setup that will allow you to deploy your websites without having to deploy a backend and it'll do some of the work for you. I just, I just love it. So if you're looking for a way that you can actually deploy a website that only has front-end technology in it, gives you all the tools that you typically need for the back-end without having to actually program the back-end, then give them a try. Go check them out at netlify.com. You work on a lot of Vue stuff, Nux stuff, Webpack. Were you just born in the cloud? Or how did you get your start like working in Vue, like working with open source? It's actually really interesting because a year ago, I hadn't even touched Vue. And it was at a meetup during the JS Camp conference. Eduardo San Martin was hosting the meetup with Sean Larkin. And they were introducing Vue to, there was a hundred of us in the room. And basically, they were just live coding Vue. It was a four-hour meetup. And we basically just watched them create this amazing application. I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is just amazing. And from there, I knew I wanted to leave React, leave Angular, and just work in Vue. Oh, wow. Well, uh, we're, we're glad it has, has helped make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to start contributing? Like, once you, once you started using Vue, like, what made you decide, like, I could actually be, be a part of, like, making this community better, like, providing educational resources and, like, contributing to the open source community? Well, I actually started contributing to Webpack first. And that happened uh, also a year ago where I was working That's in That's kind a, of a big one to start with. Yeah. 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 <laughs> How did that happen? I was very passionate about Webpack. Uh, I was using it in the company. And um, basically, I was the only member of the team that really understood a new Webpack well, but I didn't feel I knew it well enough. So I attended a workshop with Sean Larkin. And um, it was during the workshop where I learned a lot more about Webpack. And... Um, Actually, it was during the workshop that um, he was hungry during the workshop because he'd missed breakfast. And I basically was sitting there and I had a bar in my bag, a cereal bar. And I was thinking, he's hungry and I have this cereal bar, but I'm too shy to get up and give it to him. So no, they will laugh at me. <laughs> and then I just, I just got up and I said, here, you're hungry. Here's a bar. And then I sat down, mortified, thinking, oh, my God. And then it was in that meetup uh, with 100 people. Sean Larkin walks in the room and waves over to me as if like he's known me all my life. And I was like, oh my God. So I started chatting to him. I basically asked him if we could have lunch. And he said, yeah, sure. But the um, Vue core team members are coming as well. Or sorry, the, the Webpack core team members are coming for lunch as well. And I was just I was about like, to say, I didn't okay, get my invite cool. for lunch. So <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there with the Webpack core team members and I just said, I absolutely love Webpack. How can I help out more? How can I con contribute? And they said, well, you're welcome to contribute to the documentation. Why don't you start there? And they put me on the Slack channel. And I basically didn't know what to do, to be honest. I was like, how on earth do you start? 
And then there was actually a competition for with Trivago, who were basically raffling off a one-week Kyle Simpson course in Tra- Trivago in Dusseldorf, if you contributed to Webpack or Babbel. So I was like, okay, I already want to do this, and now I could win a prize. That's even better. So I started looking for things, and I added a small, very small contribution about the SAS loader and the order it goes in, because it was something I found difficult to understand. So I made the documentation a little better. And then I won the place to go to Trivago and to spend five days with Kyle Simpson. So that was cool. And that just made me say, wow, contributing is cool. I want to do more. Oh, that's awesome. I, I probably read and taken advantage of that documentation. So thank you for that. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> my, my best part was the uh, Why Webpack page. So when I was running through the, you know, what we need, and there was a page there that nobody wanted to do, which is why should you use Webpack? So I took it on as a challenge and said, okay, why should you use Webpack? I spent about 15 hours watching uh, videos, uh, watching every course I could to basically try and understand why you should use Webpack. And then that was like my biggest contribution. So I was really proud of that one. That's, that's a pretty major one. Like basically mm-hmm. telling people what it is and when it is useful to them. That's, that's kind of what you need to know before anything else, right? Yeah. <laughs> That pull request kept going back and forward as we kept modifying things because there's so much to say. So yeah. it was like a never ending, but it was really, really good experience. That's fantastic. So it, it started with a candy bar. So this is for people trying to get an open source. Always yeah. keep snacks <laughs> in your bag is one of the big messages. Pretty much. In case there's a, there's a hungry open source maintainer that you can start a relationship I think, with. I think we're always afraid to like go forward to, say, speakers or people who are giving conferences because we feel that they're just, I don't know, much better than us and that we don't have a place, like we don't know enough. And we're just, we create this barrier ourselves and the speakers and the, you know, they're not creating the barrier. So it's just a matter of going up to them and saying, you know, I want to do this because everyone's so willing to help you out and to push you in the direction. I totally agree with that. I wouldn't be here today had I not had a little bit of courage and talked to Chris at UConn. So, but no, I totally know what you mean where they seem larger than life and super unapproachable. But as it turns out, the vast majority of them are actually very approachable and very nice. Yeah. Yep. Just normal people who sometimes forget our own snacks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one thing I think that's particularly interesting though, is that I think a lot of people, they want to help, but you know, when they come to ask for help, a lot of times they're asking for like specific tasks it's like, oh, like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then I'll get some reward. Whereas like with you, like you said, I want to help, but you actually took it upon yourself to look for the places. Like you didn't wait for like Sean Larkin to be like, hey, by the way, there's this one page with like a typo. Can you please submit a PR for that? And I think that's something that I think a lot of people need to remember too, is that like taking that initiative, which I think you did a phenomenal job with, is a big difference. It's not just because, yeah, I, I think we all have encountered those people who say they want to help, but really they're just looking for like a prescriptive way to like, say they did something as opposed to like figuring out what the problem is. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, because it's easier, isn't it? If someone tells you what to do, it's, you can just do it. But if you have to, like open source is about finding how, how you can make something better. It's not about following an instruction to make something better. And I think when we did a, another workshop with Sean Larkin, we had him over here in Mallorca. And as he was giving the workshop, he was trying to explain magic comments and he was looking in the search and then he's like, damn, this is not in the search. Why is this not in the search? Debbie, that's that's an option for you. There's a a pull request. Fix that. So then I did that pull request to fix that. So that became searchable, which was an easy one of just creating a a heading so that it could be searchable. But there are things that like, you know, he sees in that moment, he needs that feature. He's not going to remember at the end of that. Because, you know, there's so much going on. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. Like a thousand times what you just said. Like people need to contribute with the things that like, are problems for them that they've encountered. Because if, if you just ask someone, like, how can I contribute? Then if they have to explain to you exactly, like, what kinds of problems there are, and they have to start from there, like, that's taking away from their time to actually do those contributions themselves rather than, you know, making it easier on them. That's yeah. putting a lot of burden on containers. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that and don't mean to do it. Like, it's not something people are doing maliciously or even out of laziness, you know, that they're just not sure what the process is because we're all still figuring it out. Like we're all still figuring it out as a culture. I was actually in a, in a client's office the other day, we were trying to um, basically um, deploy a a Nuxta and they were asking me for a different, a different feature. 
in that moment. And it was like a lot of pressure because you're trying to do something and you go, okay, I know how to do this, but I can't remember the actual, the actual code. So I went to the Nooks docs and I'm looking and I'm like, you know, trying to panic, trying to do something fast. And there wasn't a good example. It was just there. And I needed just a good example where I could just copy that code and paste it in. I know how it works. And it took me ages to figure it out. And then I was like, no, this is not good. So I went home that day and um, I made a pull request and that was um, merged, I think, yesterday. So that's just going to be there for someone else who's ever in that same situation. And I think that's important when you have a problem and you say, this needs fixing, then just go fix it. Yeah. And you, you have a great PR on View Enterprise boilerplate right now that I, I still need to take a look at. <laughs> it's just, <Yes. laughs> it's, it's been, it's been a little bit crazy lately, but I, I will look at it. And thank you very much for that. I think people are afraid that they're not good enough to contribute or the contribution is, is not going to bring value. But I think we'll have to remember that if it's not good enough or if it's not going to bring value, that it's not going to be merged. So you don't have to worry about that. And normally people comment and say, oh, that's really good. But why don't you think about that? Or why? People are very helpful. So you should always just make an effort and try because you have nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, I would still say like, try your best and, you know, try to have like, you know, really great attention to detail because you, know, you don't want to just submit something like really sloppy. And it's like, well, whatever, worst case scenario, I waste your time. And make work. Really? No, you don't sure. my worst effort? Huh. That's weird. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would stress about it a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> no, you have to do it right, but you have to not be afraid yeah. to. Yeah, at least try your best, and yeah, you can you can always get feedback. And if you if you really are trying your best, then then people will be friendly, like you said, and be willing to work with you and help you do better. Well, I, I think as well, people are are afraid that they're not good enough, and I I was one that I was thinking, how on earth am I good enough to contribute to the Webpack documentation when I'm still really learning Webpack myself? So why should I be the one? But then I'm contributing in a different way, and I think that's. That's what's important that, you know, don't bring yourself down and think just because you're not an expert in something doesn't mean you can't contribute. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot, a lot of times I think people think, you know, like the P and PR stands for perfect. Like they have to give you like the perfect solution before they issue that PR. And I think to Chris's point, as long as you time box it and give your best effort, like it's a lot easier for someone to see an idea and give you feedback than for you to just have this blank, like, you know, it's a sort of amorphous idea that you want to improve, but you don't have a proposal for and so, you know, getting that feedback sooner rather than later is um, important. So, yeah, don't keep it on your head. I personally have at times thought, oh, this didn't really make sense to me when reading, say, the view docs. No offense. <laughs> but no, but no like, offense taken. It's a work in progress. Yeah. But then, like, I get in my head, I'm like, what if I'm the only one that this doesn't make sense to? What if this is just a how I, uh, pardon the pun, view things? <laughs> And so, yeah, like that's always sort of like stopped me. Like it, I don't know. Sometimes I just think I'm a weirdo. Are there, maybe should I just consider that maybe there are other weirdos and just make I I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you (laughs) you are not the only person to like not understand something or think it's weird or get tripped up. Like if it's happening to you, then it's probably happening to at least thousands of people who are also thinking like, it's probably just me. And then not saying anything. But we still do that, don't we? We doubt ourselves so much. Yeah. And think, like we're the only one. That's what I mean by don't be afraid. Don't think like, oh, this is a stupid pull request. It's not. It's anything that can help someone else's life better is always going to be good. And, yeah. and also the best documentation should be readable, not only when you've had like your ideal amount of coffee and it's like 11 a.m. in the morning, like at your peak productive hour and you know you're you're not totally swamped by things, and you can focus just on reading the docs, and you're not getting distracted. Like in real life, you're not always as smart as you are at a hundred percent, and you're, you're not always you don't always have the energy, and you're not always like as focused. And so we need to write documentation that can meet people where they are, like most of the time, not where they are ideally. Yeah, that's a great point. So Debbie, you you got started with Webpack. And then you started like using Vue and, and getting more into Vue. And what was your first contribution, would you say, to the Vue ecosystem? I don't know, because what do you call a uh, contribution? So Did it make someone's I, life easier somehow? Well, I tried to just basically bring Vue into the companies in Mallorca. That was my big thing. So it was like... Nice. Um, That's a contribution. Use, yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's probably a big one, all right. And... Um, uh, in the company I'm in now, I'm basically pushing everything towards Vue and obviously Nuxt. 
because they are using they were using old technologies like you know PHP etc. And it's like no, we can do a better job. We have better performance. Uh, we can have so much more, and it's also more, more fun. So I had to like teach all our developers Vue. That was a big thing we had to do before we were able to use it. But obviously, the great thing about Vue is it's just got such a fantastic learning curve that it's so easy to learn, and it's got great documentation, of course. <laughs> and then I started speaking at conferences. Uh, I fell in love with Nuxt because it just makes my life so much easier, and. Basically, I like it so much that um, I started creating talks on it because so many people don't know much about it. They've heard of it, but they don't know how it works. So I created like getting started with Nuxt and I started giving talks and I got a lot of feedback from people saying, wow, because of my talk, they've now started using Nuxt and they've built their website and they're so happy. And I was like, cool. Excellent. That, that's amazing. And so you started, you started speaking and you started, it sounds like you organized meetups in, in Mallorca. And yes. Uh, just- talk to companies and, and help like teach them about like, hey, this this framework that can like possibly make your life easier. Yeah, because I work for a digital agency and because I'm a tech lead, I get to basically mm-hmm. speak to clients and, you know, propose to them what's best and make those decisions. So it's kind of like a nice place to be in where you can make those decisions and move them towards you. But every company that we've suggested you to have, have been like, you know, wow, yeah, this it's really cool, really fast, really performant. Excellent. So it's worked out well. So far, yeah, and, and it's only going to get better. I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to like move so many more companies towards Vue. This is, this is the plan. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Resistance is futile. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's try to say that all together, actually. Like a true Borg voice. Like one, two, three, resistance. Why is no one... <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to pause a second and just went straight into it. Gosh. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work on it for the next episode. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. So now I guess you could say I'm contributing more to Vue with, uh, by writing blog posts for Ultimate Courses on Vue. And also I'm now um, a teacher at Vue School. So I'm recording courses. Uh, the one I'm recording at the moment is on the Vue router. Nice, nice. That's awesome. It was quite interesting, actually, because it was a, it was a difficult one for me to start with because I've been working with Nuxt for so long. And therefore, Nuxt makes my life so much easier. We don't have to worry about a router. <laughs> we don't have to do all this work. We just get it out of the box. We just have it easy. So I had to like go back and relearn and, and study a lot so that I could actually be able to teach it because you know it has so many cool features and it's, there's a lot involved in the router. So yeah, I'm looking forward to when it's, when it's released. I, I'm kind of curious. Do you remember like a detail in developing the course for Vue Router? that you didn't know about Vue Router that you learned and you thought like, oh gosh, I can't wait to teach this to everybody. Like more people should know about this. Well, there was like, say the scroll behavior. I didn't know that, you know, you could, you could do that so it remembers the place that it scrolls to when you go to the next page, um, when you go back, etc. So there's, there's kind of like features that, like obviously the transitions you kind of can know about because you're using Nuxt. But something that's really interesting as well is code splitting, which obviously I'm a big fan of. A lot of people didn't realize how Wait, easy it is. Wait, what was that code? What? Scribbing? Code splitting. <laughs> oh, code splitting. Got it, got it. I thought, I thought you said scribbing. It's like, I don't think I know about this. <laughs> code splitting. Got it. So like splitting, splitting your JavaScript file but into multiple it, files. Yeah. Yeah, so basically lazy loading your roots, which is something I obviously knew about, but a lot of people don't know about. And that's something that I found really interesting, that people were saying, wow, I didn't know how easy it is to code split because they think Webpack code splitting difficult. I can't do this. And they're like, oh, it's just so simple. So that's kind of a cool thing I like to bring into the course. And in the course, I also go to the dev tools and show you how it's easy to see what's being loaded, what chunk is being loaded every time you change the route. And that's something I'm excited about showing. Oh, nice. That's excellent. That, that, that goes into like more detail than I see in a lot of courses. Yes, that's, a, that's the aim of it. <laughs> do you happen to know when that course is coming out in ViewSchool? So I've, I've almost finished the scripts and um, basically I have to record everything else, but the app is created, the scripts are pretty much created. And so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully soon. Excellent. If you say within the next few weeks, well, this episode will probably be released like four weeks after we're recording right now. Yeah, I'd say so. I hope yeah, so. Yeah, so look for it. Look for it then. That gives you a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> be very or not viewers. If you're if you're looking at your phone while you're listening to this podcast, stop. Like there's nothing to see here. <laughs> 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 
Chris, you missed an amazing opportunity for a pun. You could have said in the next few weeks. Oh, that was nice. Here, it, you, you you take over. I've I've disgraced myself. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm pretty sure no one wanted. I should never pass on. <laughs> so you're speaking about like Nuxt, like all over the place. You're recording a course on View Router. You're writing blog posts about Vue and Nuxt and uh, all sorts of like view related things. Yes. Is your background in like? Do you have a background in like a c- computer science or education? Like, how did you? How did you get into like development education? Okay, well, actually, I did start creating websites a long time ago. I think in 1990 something, before we even had the internet. So I made a, a website with um, we didn't even have editors back then. Back in my day. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was terrible. So I did create that first website, and then and then after that, um, I didn't work in web design. I worked in hotel entertainment actually on a stage basically organizing shows and, and speaking on a stage. And in the winter in, in Mallorca, there's no work. So I started like, you know, studying and I, oh, I did constant courses. Like I learned PHP, I learned Flash and created some Flash websites, but I could never learn JavaScript. For some reason, I spent loads and loads of money on it and I just, ne- I just failed at it. But that was back in the day when, you know, you have a course to do and you send an email to someone and like three days later, they say, you're missing a comma. And then you fix that comma, but it's, you just get so frustrated. You give up and you say, yeah, you don't have the instant feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So I I spent loads of money and I I gave up. So I just basically uh, created WordPress websites and which is, you know, simple. It's just like dragging and dropping plugins and, and widgets and creating basic websites. And I did that. And then I also worked for some companies where I did do HTML and CSS. So I worked a lot on front end where I made things beautiful from the design, but anything that was JavaScript related, I had to pass to a programmer. And um, I was doing that part-time, but there was never enough work in that. So then I was teaching English as well as a second language and basically trying to make a living between building some rubbish websites and, and teaching. And it was never really going anywhere. It was like very frustrating because I was very bored. It wasn't challenging. But I was convinced I wasn't good enough to be a proper programmer and to and to learn JavaScript. Do you think it was useful to like have that education background? Yeah, for sure, because you're not afraid to stand up in front of people, and you're also you know what students like. If you can teach someone, you know it's very easy to teach them whatever anything. And it's a good opportunity to like learn and break things down. You know, when you when you have to teach something, then you really have to try to break it down enough so that you can explain how it works to the extent that you might not just as a regular programmer. Yeah, for sure. Like when I did the course on teaching English, I started to realize, oh, I actually don't know how to speak English properly. And um, like, I don't even know how this works. Why? What on earth is going on here? What do, how do we do this? Seriously? <laughs> They're the kind of questions your students, why in English is it like this? And, you know, normally you'd be like, well, I don't know. So you had to like, you know, know the reason. And that's kind of like the same in tech. If you know the reason or if you understand it, then it's easier to teach it. Yeah, I was, I was trained in linguistics and education. And a lot of people do not understand, even though I speak English very well, I cannot teach English. I am not qualified to teach English. I know nothing about like teaching English. You need much more no, than just... We don't learn the grammar, do we? Knowing how we to practice. Speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can do that better with other languages than I can with English. Yeah. So you're an educator who got into programming and wasn't really sure that you were good enough. And this is, this is a theme we hear from a lot of people, you know, like people who think like, yeah, but I, I'm probably just not smart enough to understand this stuff. Or like, you know, this is probably just a problem that I'm having. Is that something that's gotten easier over time for you? Or is that something you still struggle with a lot? I think we always have our doubts. And, you know, we always think like, you know, even when I'm sometimes giving a Nuxt talk, I think, you know, am I good enough to give a talk on Nuxt? Um, I'm not creating Nuxt. And actually, the the talk I gave him in Barcelona, I was so nervous, you just like couldn't believe because I was giving my talk in front of Alex, the creator of Nuxt. And I'm thinking, oh my God, how can I do this? This is just, this is way above my level. I had my, like, I prepared it so well. So I knew I was going to do a good job, but I was just afraid that he was going to think, you're not good enough to do this. So when I gave my talk and I finished, I got such great feedback. But then Alex got up to give his talk and he said, um, 
He said, because Debbie has done a fantastic job on her talk and told you everything about Nuxt, I've actually had to change my slides and I have to give a different talk. And I was like, wow. And then he said, so if you have any questions about Nuxt, ask Debbie. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, yeah so that just gave me confidence yeah, to like, you know, be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm doing it okay. I'm doing a good job. Yeah, that's fantastic. So it, the, you remember those times when you're f- yeah. starting to doubt yourself? Yeah, for sure. I think we all doubt ourselves all the time. I think that's a natural thing in tech. I don't know why. I, I think we just, maybe we're just all perfectionists or something or, or, or we judge ourselves against people because there's so many talented and clever people that we like think we should all be like them but we don't consider the fact that we're all different and we have different things to, to give and different ways of being brilliant. And also the people that you think of as brilliant are, are probably like more messed up than, than you think. Like, like th- th- Chris, th- for example. Like me. <laughs> yeah, I, like these people, as they've gotten to know me better, they can tell you like, wow, Chris is a mess. Like he's barely, he's barely a functioning human being, never mind adult. Like this is, <laughs> he needs help. And this podcast is his cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> but no but no but seriously uh, like i i was talking to an open source maintainer that that'll remain uh, anonymous for now the other day who people think of as amazingly productive and he was telling me it's like yeah i just like i couldn't focus today so i just like played video games for a bit and then i commented on something and then i was wrong and then i just felt discouraged and so i played more video games Oh my God, that's my life only maintaining. <laughs> but, but people often think of this person as like, oh, you just like, you know, he, he has just like always has the right answers all the time and, you know, thinks about everything and, you know, just gets like more done in a day than I could possibly get done in a week. But like he has off days and he feels like he's not good enough either a lot of times. And he feels like other people are getting more done than he is. And he's incredibly unproductive. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I know a couple of open source contributors are the same and they're like, you know, I'm I'm not good enough. And you're like, what? You've just like, you've created like this amazing thing. Like, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I'm, honestly, I'm still impressed uh, that you're contributing to like Webpack documentation and loader documentation. I mean, yeah. I kind of feel like I'm not sure I'm smart enough for that, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I've avoided Webpack for quite a, quite a while. <laughs> I think a lot of people are afraid of Webpack, which is kind of um, what made me want to help because if you're afraid of it, it means there's something wrong with the documentation. That's an interesting way of putting it. You might have to. Yeah. (laughs) I hadn't really thought about that, but I, yeah, I guess, I guess there's truth to that. (laughs) I think absolutely. In my personal experience, I, I try to tell people if someone reports a problem with the documentation, there is always a problem with the documentation. It's not necessarily the problem they think it is. And the solution that they've suggested to fix the problem is probably wrong. Yeah. But wow. <laughs> but no, but no. I mean <laughs> No, just statistically. But it's still helpful for them to bring it up because there's always a problem and, and you might not understand what it is. Like you don't have experience with the problem. You have a lot of experience with the documentation and the flow of the documentation and the different trade-offs that you make. The person notifying you about the problem doesn't have that information, but they had the experience. And so together, like, you know, talking through it, you can get to a place where you both have a better understanding and uh, can find, like, can figure out what the core problem is and find a solution that'll work really well, you know, not just for this person, but for like, everybody else who's, who's visiting and might be having the same or similar problems. And I know we laughed at Chris earlier when he said that. <laughs> it may sound mean, but I think um, that's a good analogy when it comes to dentistry. Um, sometimes when you have a toothache, you think it's localized to a single area, but the root problem is actually in a completely different part of your mouth. And this is very, very common in dentistry. And so I think that's like another way of thinking of what Chris is mentioning. So again, just one of those, like, please bring it up so that we can help, you know, figure it out together on what, how to, you know, make everybody's life better. I, I hope that's helpful to all the dentists out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of dentists use Vue, okay? But, but really, yeah, I didn't, th- th- thank you for clarifying. I, I didn't mean it in like a mean way. It's like people don't know everything or don't know anything. It's just like, you know, 
people who are working on documentation have a lot of experience with, with that and the trade-offs that you're making and stuff like that and the different kinds of solutions that tend to work and not work. But we also haven't had that experience of like what went wrong here and having that moment of confusion. So what are you working on now lately? Like are, are you writing like documentation for, for Next as well? Or is it, is it mostly just like talks and stuff like that? So at the moment, I'm just doing small contributions to fix things when I find that I don't understand something and I have to find a way of understanding it. So that then I'm making perfect. small. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like very quick to make a contribution because, you know, you're in that moment and you go, okay, I figured out how to do this, but it took me two hours to figure it out. It should just have taken five minutes. So then I make that contribution there and then. And I've literally only started contributing to Nux. So it's something I want to help out more with. And I spoke to Alex and Sebastian about it. So um, it's something I will be getting more involved with. I'm just kind of like concentrating on the view router course, get that finished, and then I can have more time. And one of the things I want to do is actually create a Nuxt boilerplate, which would be very similar to your boilerplate because it's so fantastic. And my team and myself have learned so much from it. And we've used it like so much. It's like our learning resource and our playground. And it probably took me about six months to really learn everything that's in there. I was thinking if we have one similar for Nuxt, like how to add the internationalization, um, how to add the PWAs that someone can go to and they have that there. So that's kind of my plan. Excellent. That sounds beautiful. That does. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there are also some view router contributions in your future as well. Yeah, there could be. Um, yes, Eduardo's, <laughs> Eduardo's working hard on, on the view reader at the moment. And, um, and I know he's going to um, be working on the documentation to make it easier as well, because I think that's in the documentation that are not easy to understand, or at least I found them difficult. It so easy. yeah, for sure. Why not? Yeah, there is, there's always room for improvement everywhere. And I think as well, sometimes the documentation is the person who creates something they're fresh in their mind. They understand it already. So it's very hard for them to, to create good documentation because they just get it already. Mm-hmm. The curse of knowledge. Yes, absolutely. So another thing that I'm curious about as an educator, have there been like specific things related to view or Nuxt that you can think of, you know, similar to what you just talked about with uh, a few things related to view router, where you found a new way of explaining something or you found like a feature that like, you know, isn't talked about as much or some kind of use case that, you know, you've written about and people have found like really, really helpful. It's just like, you know, caught on like wildfire and, you know, you, you, you keep using and it keeps coming up. I don't know. What I found was when I was creating my talks, there was a lot of things that because the next team are working so hard and so fast and they're doing like such great work that they're releasing things, but they're not documenting it. So I go to the release notes and I learn all these cool features. And then I was giving them in my talk and telling them about, you know, that now like it, the browser loads automatically when you're, when you load the, the application. So it just opens for you. So that was something like that was cool, but it wasn't documented. So um, sometimes going to the, the release notes, you learn so much. And then you're like, I, I, I said to them, oh, this should be documented. Like we know, we know. <laughs> so yeah. And then as well, like the PWA, that was such a cool feature that um, I wanted to add the PWA and I'm thinking I need to do a course and I need to learn it. I don't understand PWAs well enough. And I kept putting it off for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was like, I will implement this. I will eventually do it. And then one day I sat down and I said, I'm going to implement the PWA. And it took five minutes. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I kind of like made a big thing in my talk about it, that it actually takes five minutes. It's three steps. One, two, three, done. You have a PWA in Nuxt. Yeah, it's, it's funny how many things like, you know, we think of as like, oh, yeah, I, I feel like I really need to be an expert in that to, to do that, though. And really the difference between an expert, quote, quote, unquote, and someone who doesn't know what they're doing at all is sometimes just like five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour of research. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of great features that we're just afraid to use because we think it's going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely run into that before. There, there have been things like I've assumed it'll be complicated than then I realized like, uh, actually, I can do that. Like, I remember my, my first Webpack loader. Like, mm-hmm. I thought like, gosh, Webpack loaders can be so complicated. Like, how could I ever do that? When really like, like something no one told me is you're basically manipulating a string. It's just 
string manipulation. You take a string out and then you output a string like in a basic loader and it's not that bad. <laughs> you can do that. Like if you've done like some kind, you know, some kind of text variable and you've done like a replace on it, like you might have the skills to do like some kind of Webpack loader. Yeah, for sure. I found as well from your boilerplate using hygiene and creating templates. I thought that was like the most complicated thing in the world to do. And now I'm like, wow, it's so easy to create templates and makes your life so much easier. Yeah, me too, before I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys need to do like a tutorial on that because yeah, I'm still scared of that part of the boilerplate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll do, I'll do a, a course on it. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Yeah, and, and contribute to hygiene stocks, please. Because okay. they could definitely be better. I, I don't say that to throw shade, Hygen, okay? Like if Hygen is listening, like our docs, you know, could use improvement too. So this is, you know, everybody still has some growing to do. And I've had a lot of people say to me after the talks that they never knew anything about Hygen and they're like, wow, this is cool. I'm going to implement this. And so it's kind of like, it's a really cool thing if you're not using it, like you should go check it out. And I'm going to put it in the next uh, boilerplate when I create it so that people can see it there as well. Beautiful. Do you already have this repo created, by the way, for the next boilerplate? Well, I created it for our own company, like for, for myself, to help train my team. So okay. I just need to like remove code and make it more generic, basically. So there's not a link we can drop in the show notes this week? Right now, no. But if people follow you maybe on Twitter, they would be able to see links for that? Yeah, like definitely in August, it should be done. It might be done quicker than that. I don't know, but... We'll see. And if they follow you on GitHub, then that'll probably be like one of your repositories on there? Will it be under yeah, your name? Yeah, for sure. Exactly, yes. I'm under Debs-O'Brien. Debs-O'Brien. And we'll have all of that in the show notes. Beautiful. So I think that that might be the questions that I have that I can think of. What about you all, Ben and Ari? Do you have any, any more questions for Debbie before we start wrapping things up? Yeah, I do. Uh, so I've I read a little bit about your journey into becoming a professional programmer, and it sounded like you had a lot of setbacks and quote unquote failures. I don't know if I'd necessarily call them failures because if you learn something, you're not failing. But uh, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to that and some of the lessons that you learned along the way. Yeah. So basically, sometimes you get into a position in life where you're just not moving forward and you're kind of just stuck and no matter what you do, you're not going anywhere and you think, right, I need to fix this. And I actually did a dream builders course, which I thought was stupid when I was doing it. And, you know, my dream builder said, what is your dream? Forget time and money. But I'm thinking I live in a small island in Mallorca. I can't have the dream I want because, you know, I'm stuck to this one place because now I am in love with my husband. And obviously I live there because I want to, but I can't just like, you know, move to America or move somewhere else. So you, you, you can't live your dream because you're already like in love and living in Mallorca, which is like uh, already <laughs> the dream for people. It is, it is if you're making loads of money, but if you're not making loads of money, it's not really, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so my dream was um, actually always to be, to be a programmer for Google, actually. And, you know, I said, okay, my dream is to be a programmer for Google, but a really good programmer in a really good company that you're constantly learning, constantly developing. And that's what I wanted to do. So I was sent on a mission to basically find that company in Mallorca. And she said, everything you dream of uh, exists. So I basically said, okay. And I looked at kind of similar to Google type companies and I found Trivago, which is actually interesting because I was holding a meetup there last night in Trivago. So I was having so much fun in their offices. <laughs> but yeah, I basically started looking at, okay, I'm going to aim to try and get a job in Trivago. So what do I need to get a job in Trivago? I need to learn JavaScript. So I was back to like square one of, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. So I had to find a way of learning JavaScript, which was very difficult in Mallorca because we don't have schools that will teach you JavaScript and there's no mentoring programs. And I actually found Open Classrooms, which is an online, they have online tech degrees. So they had a front-end tech degree and you get a mentor, you get one session with someone. So every week I had this mentor who went through my code, who basically looked at everything I was creating and told me what I was doing wrong and how to make it better. And also there's a chat system. So every time I had that missing comma, I had that response in like very short amount of time. So then I also started um, doing the full stack tech degree with Treehouse, which is another online platform in America, because I needed to know everything 
possible in order to be able to get my dream job. And I felt it wasn't enough with one place. So I needed to like have, you know, different, learn different things. So I learned Angular, learned React, for example. And I basically gave up my job as a teacher because it was very hard to really learn as much as possible in as short as amount of time as possible. So I basically used all my savings and I basically studied for nine months, seven hours, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, practically, because I had this mission that by the end of the year, I needed to get a good job. And I just had to put absolutely everything I could possibly do into it, which is kind of crazy. But I love it. I love it. I just, I love how passionate you are about, about your chosen path. I, I envy that. Well, I guess I just had to say it's now or never because like, you know, I'm actually 40 years of age. So, you know, it's, you can't just say like, I'm going to put this off. I'll do it. I'll do it next year. If you're going to change something, you need to do it now. And, um, it wasn't easy. I won't lie. It was a very, very hard. And I bought myself this sign that said, good things are going to happen. And I would look at it every day and I would say, maybe today good things are going to happen. And throughout those months, I went for various job interviews. So even Trivago, for example, I didn't get the job um, when I went for the Trivago interview doing the coding challenge. I was turned down. I was turned down for many other jobs. And I just kept, every time I went into that interview, I would write down every single thing where I messed up. So they asked me about promises, for example. So I'd go back and say, right, I need to learn promises. And it was very hard, but I tried to look at it as a positive thing. Okay, if they said no, it's because I need to improve this. And that one day I would know everything, although you never know everything, <laughs> but I'd know everything to be able to at least answer the questions in a job interview to be able to get to that next step. Yeah, sometimes you got to go on bad dates to have a good date. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <Chris> really. <laughs> Maybe I maybe I shouldn't have started with like marriage plans and like what my wedding would look like uh, <laughs> and, and my food allergies. Everyone loves that though, you know. <laughs> Talking about weaknesses, great. <laughs> I mean, I, food allergies are not like it's not a weakness. <laughs> I mean, physically, vulnerability. It is. Yeah. Okay. Vulnerability. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you're also giving them sort of a roadmap to how to kill you. So yeah. <laughs> wow. I never thought about it like this. I, <laughs> I'm terrified now. Um, wow. I, should, I, I really should not be giving this information. Out. <laughs> Oof, note to self, uh, be careful what you say to Ari. <laughs> <laughs> I came into coding a little bit later in life as well. And I, I found that the experiences that have helped me the most were the failures. So yeah, I, I loved reading about your journey and we should definitely put a link to that article in the show notes. Yeah. I personally found it super inspiring and I just, I hope that I'm as awesome as Debbie someday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't consider myself awesome. <laughs> Not yet. Right, yeah, no, none of us do. But um, in my opinion, you are. Yeah. And JavaScript <laughs> is a pain. I, I remember trying to like wrap my mind around like the, the asynchronous stuff where like a, a function is called and then like it's still happening while like other code below it is happening. And it's just like, I'm supposed to keep like multiple timelines in my head. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was, that was fun. Is one of my greatest downfalls um, when I was learning to code. I remember when I was when I was studying and open classrooms called me and they asked me would I do a testimonial and I just answered them back and I said why would you want my testimonial Trivago just said no to me I'm a complete failure why on earth would you want this and they said well because they said no to you but you keep going and that's what's important so I was like okay yeah that's true and then obviously they said but can you fly to Paris and we'll record a video of you and I was like yeah I can fly to Paris yeah sure and I remember doing that, um, that video testimony in Paris and I was like talking to the, the, the people who were making the video and they said to me that when I get my job, this dream job, they're going to come to Mallorca and make a video of me in the job. And I was like, well, I'm never going to get that job. So don't think about making that video because it's never going to happen. And they're like, yes, it is. You just have to keep believing. And I think it was really nice because when you have people who also help you believe, you kind of like push yourself to do more. It's all about having support and, and being around people who are positive as well. I think that's kind of really important. So I'm guessing that's also probably why you have 
felt the need to help others along the way is because you had that help. Yeah, and it's why I started mentoring with Open Classrooms and also on the on the tech degree program in Treehouse. And like, I remember just sitting there in the evenings and my husband would be given out to me saying, what are you doing? I'm like, leave me alone, I'm helping someone. <laughs> and I just, I don't know, it just felt good because you could just give back because my, my mentor was amazing. I have to say he was fantastic. And like, if you can give back and just help someone else complete their journey and get them their dream job, I think if we all just give a little bit, maybe we can just make life easier for other people. Totally agree. And documentation is a great way to, to help people get to their end goals. <laughs> <laughs> Even speaking at conferences as well. I mean, you're sharing information and you're, you're sharing new things you've learned and you're helping people in a way as well. Well, I mean, hopefully you're helping them and not just giving them horrible misinformation. Fair warning, uh, I am supposed to give my first conference talk in October, so I'm just thinking horrible negative thoughts about how it's going to go. <laughs> it's going to be amazing, for sure. If you uh, I hope so. I hope you work so. hard. <laughs> and it, it won't be as good as your next one. For sure. So, like... It, is that, is that it, a good it, thing? Yeah, it is a good thing. It is a good thing because like it's it's something that you have to do to yeah. give like an even better talk and give an even like I don't know any speaker who has gotten to a point where they're just like, yeah, I just do it perfect every time now. And I just never have any notes for myself. You know, no one has any notes for me. It's just like slam dunk every single time. Every single word I say is gold and like the so exact word. My new goal in life is to be that person. <laughs> the, you'll be the first. You want to be the first person? Yeah, it's like I'm just so awesome that I don't I don't need anyone. I just perfection is oozing out of my pores at all times. Just kidding, that's never gonna I don't know if I wanna be with I don't know if I wanna be you in person. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants that. But yeah. I've never met a speaker at a conference who's like, you know, sitting there all relaxed, just about to speak. Everyone is there with their computer open and they're fixing their slides and they're changing things. And I'm like, oh yes, I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's how you know it's a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the great things I learned as well, you know, when I was in Verona doing a talk there, and obviously I was surrounded by like, you know, Alex, who is um, a core team member of Nuxt, and he's like, oh, it's better if you do it that way. And I was like, oh, really? Okay, change slide. Okay, I'm going to teach you this. <laughs> but you learn so much more as well. So it's kind of good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I did, uh, I did my talk for the first time last week at a meetup. And I have to say, I completely underestimated the amount of time it would take me to even finish my slides. So I actually hadn't even done a run through of it before I had to give the talk. But the thing was, is I went into it thinking this is this is the first time I'm giving the talk. It will be a learning experience. I still have at least two more times that I'm going to give this talk. So at least I'll have some data points to to build upon. But yeah, I, uh, I was just like, this is going to be the worst. <laughs> and it actually, it didn't turn out nearly as bad as I thought it would. Okay. That's a good sign. As long as you don't have to completely throw it out and think like, well, I think I just made everyone more confused than they were before. So I'll do a different talk next time. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made sure to do like check-ins throughout just to see like, oh that's so like, good at, yeah at the, at the least i can sort of gauge the content <laughs> maybe not yeah. so much the delivery and regular check-ins with people i like, also helps people stay engaged like if you're just talking at people for really like longer than two to five minutes i mean you're going to start losing them even if you're otherwise really engaging yep well, your talk is going to change the next time you do that talk. You can actually like modify it so much. And oh, I hope like, so. <laughs> four talks later, it's going to be like completely different talk. <laughs> That's good to know. Because yeah, I'm like, I think the content's mostly there, but I don't know. So yeah, next step is to get feedback from people. Because I did, I did record it so that I could send it to people and be like, hey, nice. how, how awful. Excellent. I, I don't think I got my link. I just needed a week of like not thinking about it. <laughs> Got it. That's understandable. And good that you recognize that about yourself. Yes. <laughs> or she was afraid of your criticism that you were going to give too much. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very kind. But right, Ben? I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> kind, right? I'll let you guys know, though, after. If, uh, ben is not I saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I mean, I got muted. I was like, nope, Chris is great with his feedback. So, okay. Yeah, so far I have heard good things about your feedback, so. Okay, good. But high hopes. Don't let me down. 
Well, now I am really nervous about it. Uh, wow. <laughs> that makes two of us. Yay. <laughs> as long as you don't get rid of your food down. allergies. <laughs> I actually, t- total side note, but I, I had a serious problem on dates for a while where I couldn't stop eventually just talking about like the heat death of the universe. Because I was thinking about it all the time. And it just seemed relevant. And, and so it would always come up. And it never worked out for a first date. Somehow, surprisingly. And that took, that took a while to get over. <laughs> I mean, anyway. I can't say that I always was um, particularly amazing on first dates. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Debbie. Yes, Debbie. I love you. So Debbie, speaking of talks... And starting to wrap things up a little bit, where can people find you in the future? Do you have some talks coming up? Yes. So I'm actually really excited about, I think this is like my talk of the year that I'm going to be like going to Toronto. That for me is like amazing to the VIEW conference in Toronto. So that's in November. And I get to share the stage with you. So that's going to be really cool, Chris. Well, I mean, I'm not going to try to talk during your talk. You can can have the stage with yourself. But it means I'm up on your level, you see? So it's kind of like, you know, that's like, oh God, I'm up there on Chris's level, you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally give you a little are. secret. I'm going to give you a little <laughs> secret. Anyone can stand on the stage, doesn't take magic shoes or anything. <laughs> oh, no, really? <laughs> totally true. Totally true. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's not made of lava. <laughs> so, View Toronto is, is going to be very exciting. And then straight after that, I've got to fly to Lithuania uh, for Build Stuff. And then I go to Ukraine for the Build Stuff Kiev conference. And then I'm really excited about the one in January where I'm going to Antarctica wow. for Antarctica. Yeah, I know. Tell me more about that. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Um, it's a 16 day cruise and we're basically going, but there's four days of it are the conference. So for four days, we're going to be on conference and the rest of the day it's free time. And we basically start in Chile. We go all the way down to Antarctica and all the way up to uh, Uruguay and then to Argentina. Wow. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. It's yeah, that's really awesome. Cool. Is is the CFP already closed? <laughs> no, I think I think you can still or, you can still submit or RFC that or request yeah. for yeah request for proposals. Go for it. It's a big ship, so I mean, you know, the more the merrier. It's a big ship. Maybe we could just stow away. Maybe we can be on the same deck, and then we can be on the same level again. Yeah. It's <laughs> callback. Cool. I'll check that out. That sounds so cool. I I I have to admit, like going to Antarctica sometime is actually like one of my dreams, one of my dream vacations or yeah. just dreams in general. It doesn't have to be a vacation. I would gladly go for work. So I'm going to check this out. For me the, to the world. That this is the is a best. a little bit of both. So perfect. Yeah. And like you can say that you've spoken every continent in the world, you know, if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> Goals in life. Yeah. I'm really in touch with our Antarctican, if that's the word, community. I have no idea. I'll learn. I'll learn. That's why. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to talk to the penguins. I don't care if anyone else wants to listen. (laughs) Yes. That was a really good plan. I would gladly teach the penguins view. Yeah. Why not? Sounds wonderful. So cute. I don't even care if they learn anything. (laughs) (laughs) And where else can people find you, Debbie? We have uh, links for Twitter, GitHub, uh, your Medium blog in the show notes, anything else that people should know about? We talked about your view router course for view school, which should be out by the time that people are listening to this. And you also have some blog posts on ultimate courses. We can drop a link to the, to that in the show notes. And and what else, where else can people find you as if that isn't enough? Well, I'm in Mallorca. So if anyone wants to come and do like a meetup and and speak in Mallorca. You exist in physical space. (laughs) That's amazing. So yeah, um, come to the beautiful island of Mallorca. Yeah, that's that's not a tough sell to yeah. say like, oh, okay. I mean, when I so- tell someone like, oh yeah, you should come visit me in Michigan, uh, <laughs> Lansing, Michigan. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I will. But like Mallorca, you probably get like tons of house guests. Yeah, you may regret actually, that. <laughs> didn't, didn't Mallorca actually actually stay with you? Yeah, for sure. I actually had Marion, uh, who's known as Ruby Dwarf on Twitter, and she was doing a talk on GraphQL and Hasadora. And she did the meetup last night in Trivago that I organized. And um, yeah, she stayed in my place and we had barbecue on the roof. It was just fantastic. Yeah, okay. Barbecue. I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and a I pool. I to make this happen. 
I'm going to have everyone calling me now, you know, I want to come to my Okay. Like I said, you may regret that. <laughs> yeah. So where can, where can people find your Airbnb? Um, <laughs> your Airbnb posting or, or just your address and they can show up. <laughs> my husband will probably kill me. And I keep doing this, you know, like I told him Sean Larkin's coming to stay with us. And he's like, who's Sean? I said, oh, he's just like this amazing guy. And yeah, he's American. And he like contributes to Webpack. He's a core team. And my husband's like, how long have you known him? Oh, I met him once at a conference. <laughs> <laughs> but I gave him the candy bar. So we're practically best friends. I mean, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> totally. That's how that works. I think it's what's, what's great about, you know, speakers. I don't know about you guys, but um, speaking at conferences, I found that I've just made so many friends and I've probably only met them once, but I consider them really, really, really good friends. And like, they're more better friends than also than my friends' friends, like in a way. I don't know. It's kind of weird, right? When yeah, you say totally met them once, does that mean like only seen them in person once, but like yeah. you talk more often or yeah, you really you just like had one conversation? Yeah, like you, you, you talk to each other a lot more. And, you know, Alex Lichter from the, the core team member of Nuxt, for example, like I talk to him so much on, you know, Hila helps me out with a lot with, with Nuxt related stuff, but we're just constantly chatting. And then like, also we go into like, you know, hey, how's it going? And, you know, Tim Bennix and Maya, we're like chatting away and I can't wait to see them. And I've only ever met them once. <laughs> and, you know, it's crazy. No, I can I, totally second that. I think I've been working with Kazupan on the VIEW team since February of 2016 mm-hmm. and never met him in person. We'll, we'll meet him for the first time in real life in Tokyo for uh, ViewFest. Wow. But he's like your best friend, right? <laughs> I mean, I, he's not my best friend. We, we, don't, we don't talk that often, but like we've, we've worked together like occasionally and talked yeah. sometimes like for years and just never seen each other in person. I honestly couldn't even recognize him. Like if I, I, I don't know if I've seen a picture of him, but yeah, it's, it's funny, like online relationships. And I think that's what you know, like makes me want to do more conference talks. Like there's a lot of, yeah. like you said, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. So you, you put a lot of your free time into making the, the conference talks, making the slides. But then when you just get to meet such cool people like yourself, Chris and Ben and area, then, you know, that's what it's all about, really. It's kind of just cool. Agreed. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. So let's move on to picks. Ari, would you like to get started? Sure. My pick this week is really silly because I couldn't think of anything. But as I was walking into the room (laughs) to do this podcast, I saw Kirkland Signatures organic fruity snacks on the table. And I remembered how much I love them. I Okay, I can't. They just have this texture that is just magical, for lack of a better word, Uh, (laughs) which I realized like, Saying that uh, a fruit snack is magical sounds a little weird, but just trust me, if you try them, you will understand. And I'm not the only one who thought this. I had coworkers who totally thought the same thing. So I'm only slightly crazy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, And yeah, actually, that's my only pick this week. Great. What about you, Ben? Yeah, so um, I'm actually in New York at the time of recording. And so my shout out is actually Tessa, who is the VIEW NYC organizer. Um, You can find her on Twitter, like half test six. Anyways, yeah, her event was really well organized. Um, she did a fantastic job. And so a huge shout out to her. Um, I'm hoping to reach out to her and pick up, pick up brains so we can um, update our view events resources for organizing meetups and just picking up some of the things she's doing. That's just really great. So yeah, she's my pick for the week. She's fantastic just in general. I yep. loved her episode on uh, Views on View, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was, really, I was really, really bummed to miss that one, but I did listen to it and I loved it. 
Yeah, but Davia totally was killing it. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. I believe it. My picks this week are first two books, which are all about like communication, basically. Because this is a skill that we generally do not learn in any of our education. But honestly, I think is more important than like even doing basic math, like even the math to just calculate a tip. It's more important than that because the calculator, like there are apps for the tip. There's not an app to help you communicate. Just like that makes that easy and maintaining relationships easy and like helping people like that you love feel loved and feel safe. Yeah. So these two books are Difficult Conversations and Nonviolent Communication. These are both great, great books. I think Nonviolent Communication is actually required reading for anyone at Microsoft now who's like on an executive team. (laughs) I I feel like there's context there that I'm missing. Oh, I, I think the CEO just really loved the book and decided that like anyone who's in any kind of management position like needs to have read this book I took it the same way that Ari did too. No, so like, <laughs> so some people see nonviolent communication and think like physical fights or even just like, you know, nasty verbal attacks like name calling. But really like, it's, it's about a lot more than that. You might not think of yourself as like a, a violent communicator. So if that, that language like seems weird to you, just ignore it and read the book. There's a lot of great stuff in there to just help people not feel attacked, even when you don't like want to make them feel attacked and to make them feel like seen and heard and to actually make sure you are understanding like what people are saying and to help yourself be better understood. It's all just good stuff that helps you like live happy and drama-free lives. So wonderful. Uh, I can totally second that recommendation, read that book twice and still need to read it again. So this is really good stuff. Yeah, it's great. My second or... Second recommendation, really third, is a show called Speechless, which is a sitcom that I've gotten into. It's basically just like a, a standard family sitcom, which I usually don't really get into, but it's, it's so funny. And it's a family sitcom where the oldest son in the family happens to have cerebral palsy. And it's just such a freaking like human show and it makes me feel good. And it just feels like nice to spend time like with these people, apart from sometimes the mother stresses me the heck out with her driving. <laughs> but besides that, like... <laughs> yeah, I, to- I totally agree blast. with that. Yeah. Like my husband and I, we normally kind of like family sitcoms are definitely not our jam. But yeah, we've seen every episode of that because yeah, you're right. It's very human and it, it's very hopeful. Yeah. So I totally agree. If, if you aren't watching that, you should be. And it's just like people trying their best and being, you know, trying to be nice to each other. Yeah. And failing and, sometimes. <laughs> and failing sometimes and trying to like do their best at being human. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful. And that is all for my picks. Debbie, how about you? Well, I'm going to be all techy because, you know, it's my passion. <laughs> and it's actually just something that I found about yesterday, Radio got really into after the workshop and the meetup that was held here in Mallorca. And it's basically on Hasura. I don't know if you've ever used or heard of Hasura, but if you want to get into GraphQL, and I love GraphQL and I really wanted to use it, but I'm like, I don't have that much time to learn it. You know, the usual, you put it off. And like yesterday we did a workshop and in less than two hours, we had a GraphQL API up and running. Um, Hasura gives you a powerful GraphQL out of the box. And like we were creating, we created five tables, we created joins and like we were like posting and sending queries to this database in like less than two hours. And I'm just thinking, wow, I can do this. And I I now want to implement GraphQL in all my projects and using Hasura, which is open source and free. So it's kind of like really cool and really worth checking out. Awesome. So it helps you build like real-time GraphQL off of uh, the Postgres database? Yeah, it has like a a kind of a console. So it makes it really easy if you're not like a backend developer. So it makes Mm -hmm. it very, very easy for you to do the backend-y stuff that you normally don't know how to do. So you can just create all this very, very quickly. And then you can play with your query in this console of Hasura. And then like you take your query, put it in your front end, and then you've, you've got your, your data. So, so do I need to know how to like write SQL for this or? 
No, you don't need to know anything. It's just like GraphQL, but it's in this lovely console. And then like the button is just like, you know, add a table, add a row, add the ID. It's just so simple. It's just like really cool. It's really worth checking out. That sounds awesome. I have played with uh, Hasora a little bit on a project that like I, I did not integrate it or anything, but, and I, I did not use it that much, but it was in there <laughs> and it seemed cool and everybody was happy with it. Yeah, they're doing a lot of work on it and they keep like releasing new features all the time. So every time you go to it, it's like, there's more. This is what I was told yesterday by Marion, who's, um, who was giving the, the workshop. And she just said, like, they're constantly, constantly improving it. So if you've used it a couple of months ago, you'll probably see, like, really more cool things now. Nice. And I love Postgres. It is my database of choice. Cool. Any other picks? I'm going to mention a, a JavaScript course for anyone who is struggling to learn JavaScript. And it's actually free. And it's from Ultimate Courses. And they released it literally a couple of weeks ago. And it's absolutely amazing, but it's more amazing because it's free and there's so much content and it's really worth checking out. Excellent. And then for our sign out today, I think we're going to try one more time with the resistance is futile joke. I think we can get it in. Uh, and I'm going to do one, two, three, and then we're going to do it right away. Okay. So everybody together. Well, what are, what, Thank what you, everyone. Wait, 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 I, we're going to say resistance is futile right after I say, or until next week. Yeah. Right after I say until next week. So thank you everyone for joining us this week. Uh, until next week on, on Views on View, resistance, resistance is futile. futile. We'll, we'll try that one. One, <laughs> two, three, resistance, resistance is, futile. is futile. Wow. We need to work on that. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.